Let's get right to it. Premier Daniel Smith uh, has managed to squeeze in a few minutes to give you an update on the situation in the province of Alberta. Uh, Premier Smith, thank you so much. I know you must be frantically busy right now. I do appreciate the time. Oh, no problem, Shay. Happy to give an update. Our our teams have just been going flat out. They're doing such incredible work, not only on the ground, but also our administration. They they've they've really just been working uh, through the through the weekend, working overtime. Everyone's getting pretty tired, but um, but we really appreciate all of that. And it turn it turns on a dime. I mean, minute to minute, there seems to be new information coming out. Uh, I know you've been meeting with your team throughout the morning. What what is the latest? What's the situation in our province right now? Well, I I did uh, notice as well that you'd mentioned that I was going to have a call with the Prime Minister at 12.30. That turned out to be 12.30, his time. So I have already had a conversation with him. And I can I can tell you a couple of things that we, we talked about is, uh, first of all, he, he had been away because of the coronation, but he was he wanted people to know that he was getting regular updates while he was away. And it was a priority when he got back to make sure that we had this call. And he's making sure that anything that we need is available. So we have asked if uh, we can have the Canadian Armed Forces able to assist on a couple of different things. If they've got firefighting capacity, if they have the ability to do engineering, because there's fire guards that get uh, that, that get built in areas to, to try to get that fire break. And then in addition, because of the concerns that we heard in Drayton Valley, if they had uh, personnel that might be available to assist us in policing of evacuated communities so, so that people have comfort that nobody's going to be breaking into their homes. So those were the, the requests that we made. He did confirm that the Canadian Armed Forces will be here. We'll have to do a little bit of work about what it is exactly that they'll be deployed to, but that I think was uh, was one of the main things we got out of the call today. There were other issues that I, I wanted to talk to him about because our um, our RCMP uh, uh, servicemen and women are getting also fatigued, and so we have already put in a request for them to um, to see if we could get additional backup personnel to come in and spell them off, and we may make further requests of that nature, so um, he of course uh, said anything he could do to assist with that. Mike Ellis, our public safety minister has been working collaboratively with uh, Bill Blair. They've been in touch multiple times over the last few days, so that's already well underway. We uh, also... Uh, did ask for the um, the support for Fox Lake. Um, if you you may know that Fox Lake was the very first community that was most impacted. They have had to evacuate 3,600 people in Little Red River Cree Nation, and there's um, structures that have been burnt down. The, the RCMP detachment there's been burnt down. The grocery store has been burnt down. They need to have the road paved so that they are um, have a safer access to and fro. And so we I told them that we were going to work with the nation to make sure that we get them what they need for temporary housing and if we can work together to make sure that that gets on reserve for, for permanent housing. Um, and then uh, Ms. Notley, when I met with her yesterday, one of the things that she said was very helpful during the Fort McMurray fires was the expedited flexibility and exemptions if employment insurance is needed. The longer people are out, the more they're going to need income support. And so I just let uh, the Prime Minister know that that was one of the one of the things that I we may have as a future ask if, um, if things uh, drag on in some of these communities without them being able to return home. Uh, okay, a couple of questions on that. Uh, timeline, is there any idea, like, did he have an indication as to when Canadian Armed Forces may be available in Alberta? 
he he did not say, but it sounds to me like um, he he wants to make sure that they're being deployed in the correct way with the correct expertise. I wouldn't anticipate that that would take very long. We do already have a Canadian Armed Forces sure. personnel in our Alberta Emergency Management Agency, so they it'll be direct contact between the departments to figure out the best place to use them. Um, another question, and you mentioned this in terms of security in Drayton Valley. I just got off the phone prior to the news with uh, someone who wrote it out in Drayton Valley and ignored the mandatory evacuation order. I know you've talked about that. It, it frustrates me. I mean, how important is that people pay attention to what they're being told by officials? Well, they, they absolutely must. I, I, I was I had a chance to go to Parkland County tomorrow to talk with the, the frontline firefighters about some of the dangers that happen. And it's it's the sparks. It's that these fires move so fast and a single spark can ignite a fire. And so they want to make sure that people are not returning home until a lot of those hot spots have been extinguished so that we don't end up with a flare-up. So that's one important thing that, uh, that, that they wanted to convey. The other thing is air quality. Um, I talked to a young, a young gal, Michaela, at the uh, the evacuation mm-hmm. center yesterday, and one of the things she said is that she was glad to be to leave town because she could barely she could barely breathe because of the smoke in the air. And so, for people who might have respiratory conditions or asthma, we have to make sure that the air quality um, that they understand what the air quality is in their home community before they return home, just so that there isn't any additional health uh, matters that are aggravated. So, I know everybody's impatient. Yeah, I've been through this before, as you know. Sure. Yeah. We had the high river floods, and I covered I covered the Fort McMurray fires when I was on the air as well. And I know how frustrated people are when they're when they're being displaced. But in the in this case, the the fortunate thing is is that at the moment we're seeing isolated damage to a small number of homes, as opposed to the kind of dramatic damage that we saw in Slave Lake, and the dramatic damage we saw in the Southern Alberta floods, and the dramatic damage we saw in Fort McMurray fires. And that means that when people are going to return home, as long as we manage to to keep the fire outside the community, it'll be a lot easier re-entry when that occurs. So I, I would just hope that people would be patient because we don't want to return people too early and then find that they have to be re-evacuated again. That's what happened in Parkland County with Evansburg and Entwistle. Mm-hmm. They cleared everyone out, let them return home, and then it was Sent too dangerous and they had to clear them again. And, and they want to avoid that. Um, I want to ask you, you mentioned uh, the Fox Lake situation and um, the reserves up there. I'm I'm hearing from people at the East Prairie Métis settlement that they've lost 17 homes and a bunch of vehicles, and uh, and they've seen no help. At this point, it's residents battling this fire on their own. What have you heard about the fire at East Prairie Métis settlement? The uh, I, I had talked to the the CAO of um, of the of the the, the settlement because keep in mind Métis settlements have a direct relationship with the province and I made sure that the emergency um, command center knew that we had to have a special approach with uh, those who'd been evacuated there. Uh, Sasha told me that they had been out I think for <clears throat> overnight on the first night that they were evacuated. I think there were 350 people there, and so I, I wanted to make sure that they had the uh, the direct contact. So I, I can follow up if that is if that's still um, uh, outstanding. But my, my understanding was that they did end up getting connected. We're working to make sure that everybody has a, a place to go, that they're supported, and then we'll have to do the same thing. We we will have to do what I what I talked to the prime minister about is make sure that we've got manufactured homes so that they can offer temporary housing and then be able to move them on to the settlement. I um, when I talked with the the, the chief um, up north, he he said that we've we saw a good example of this in Slave Lake 
So Slave Lake used manufactured homes as a temporary measure, and then um, uh, and then his suggestion was that we just make that permanent housing. So that's what we'll hopefully do on those nations where we have lost structures like that, and, and uh, we'll absolutely be committed to doing that on the Métis settlements as well. Um, I was wondering if I could get a little clarity around financial assistance for the evacuees. I know that's something that's built in, but uh, in terms of when that gets kicked in, what people need to do, how that's distributed, uh, what is the how does that work in terms of getting financial assistance to people that enforce from their homes. The way, the way the policy works is if you've been out of home for seven days, that's when it kicks in. And so there are a couple of communities that have been out for five days. So uh, we'll be doing an announcement at three o'clock today to let people know that if they um, are still out of their home for seven days, what the process will be okay. to, uh, to apply for that. So that'll they're just working out some final details, working out the website and the portal, and we'll have more to say about that at three o'clock today. Uh, I really appreciate your time. Last one before I let you go. How hard is this? Um, you know, we're, we're throwing all these things at you, East Prairie, and you're like, I'm trying trying to find out I'm trying I mean how big of a job is this for someone who's trying to lead a government and coordinate a response like this you know, I've just been so pleased that we have such, um, I mean, everybody has, has worked together. They put partisanship aside. We've got all the levels of government working together. I think our administration is really doing an amazing job of, of stepping up, and the public is too. In fact, I should mention as well that uh, the, the, the federal government is quite keen to see if we can do a matching program so people can make personal contributions also. We've done that in the past mm-hmm. with, with Red Cross, and so we'll have more to say about that as well, because I know that there's a, a lot of a lot of need, and there's a lot of people who really want to help. So all all I would say is I I just uh, I know these are these are always difficult circumstances. I'm I'm uh, I'm grateful that I was able to have a um, some experience of this in in High River, so that I knew the kind of things I needed to look for and to be able to cover it when it happened in Fort McMurray. I I feel like um, we've got a, a really a really solid team, and sadly we've had so many of these kinds of disasters that have occurred in the last number of years. But what that means is that each time it occurs, we've got internal memory and expertise. And so it, it makes it makes cl- uh, clearing out some of those information gaps and make sure that um, all of the things and all of the coordination are working so much better. So I, I think we've got a good team. People should feel confidence. We, we, we've got we've got a really good team working on this. Uh, Premier Smith, I, I really appreciate you taking time to join us this morning. Thank you so much. My pleasure.